0: Welcome back to another edition of 30 Rack of Sports. It is Monday, September 12th. And for at least half the podcast that's here today, a third of the podcast overall, it is a victory Monday, boys and girls. 30 Rack of Sports, Ohio sports and beer podcast. We're going to be drinking some beers. We're going to be having some sports takes. But week one of the NFL season is here the browns overcome baker some late baker mayfield heroics for some own own heroics of their own i guess uh to win win for the first time since 2004 uh josh quick trivia question for you uh that i am almost sure you won't get because it is a very sad sad deal and i also have another brown staff for you when we're when we're done with that uh the last time the browns won their season opener it was 2004. You and I were 9, yes. Do you know who the quarterback for the Cleveland Browns was in that first win?
1: Uh, I meant to look earlier and I'm not even going to try and guess because uh, of the era.
0: San Francisco before there. I know he was in Philly for a while. He's bald.
1: Uh it wasn't. No, it wasn't Couch, was it? No. Uh, no, that's way too early. It was Jeff Garcia. Jeff Garcia. Oh, wow. Jeff that Garcia. That bald, bald hint wasn't, it wasn't a huge help, I don't think. No, <laughs> no. Uh, Also,
0: I forget the, the unimportant parts of the stat, but, uh, the, of course, the big news across the pond, Queen Elizabeth passed. And they, you know, for, during her reign, it was, what, like a dozen presidents, you know, six or eight popes, and fifty nine yeah, starting quarterbacks for the Cleveland Browns, but yes, I guess it 59. would have been guess it would have been sixty if it wasn't for you know, hang on for a couple of days. How tough is that? That's, that's passing pretty passing right before the first game of the season. That's tough. Uh, what else is tough? Uh, oh, first off, the most the I mean, you want to talk about a tough game? You get blown out by Kirk Cousins and the Vikings. And then... Boy, yeah. Yeah, have a stomach flu. It's the I Just Lost to Kirk Cousins stomach flu. Uh, Zach, unable to join us. Definitely not because, you know, two-year-olds bring home a lot of... Or, what, 18-month-old? I don't know. Almost don't two, know. two-year-old uh, kids bring home a lot of germs. It's definitely the I Just Got My Ass Beat by Kirk Cousins flu. Yeah. And that And look... Th- The Packers have never gotten blown out week one and turned it around to make the playoffs solidly. That has never happened. Definitely not last year. That's against the norm. Uh, Someone else who's hoping that maybe it will be the norm for their team after a tough week one game did not get to play the uh, Vikings this year and get calls. This time, some miscues lead to the Bengals losing to the Steelers and falling to 0-1. I was told... I was told, I was led to believe by the Cincinnati media that uh, the Bengals had figured out the offensive line. Joe Burrow was the best quarterback in the league, maybe ever. And uh, they were going to, you know, win probably 14 games. They, there was no way, it's looking at the possible. quarterbacks that they were playing against, that they were going to do that. And then it is possible
1: still possible. There uh, you go. It's still possible. And I think one thing that local media... I'm going to fix my mic stand here after we get done with this open. But, uh, one thing the media forgot to tell you. Two things, I guess, the media forgot to tell you. One, Zach Taylor is still the coach of the Cincinnati Bengals. Love that. For, love Zach that for Taylor. them. Love that for them. Uh, two, you know, I think it was Mr. Uh, Allen Iverson that spoke about practice and what happens when you don't practice. I supposed to be franchise player. <laughs> we sitting here talking about practice. You can't just not, not practice a your franchise players, not, not your starters. I think you saw what happened there. And Greg, that's a, that's a that method I- of practice that comes from Sean Taylor's coaching tree. And I think you saw out with the Rams. Sean McVay. Or excuse me. Sean I, McVay. I was like the late, the, <laughs> the late, late uh, the late Sean Miami Taylor.
0: Hurricane
1: Safety. Playbook from the grave. Uh, Sean McVay's coaching tree and you saw the same thing with the Rams just kind of discombobulated. Discombobulated, unorganized, uh, not necessarily a lack of effort, but a unorganized, uh unorganized effort put forth.
0: Well, we'll get to some more Bengals and Browns talk. Also, uh, a huge couple weeks coming up for FC Cincinnati and the crew, uh, crew ha- er, since FC Cincinnati, a huge win. Uh, the crew um, really don't want to win or lose. They just are cool withdrawn every single game. So we'll get to that, and then also a big two-week stretch that could decide the AL Central. Huge, big week for uh, playoff implications in Ohio. But before we go across the state, we're going to stay right here, honestly, just down the street from where we are for a nice glass of beer.
1: Oh, beer of the week. that's awesome. Yeah, how do you do that? That's
0: great. All righty. We are thankfully back drinking beer on this podcast. Uh, Zach's not here and we go back to drinking beer. Uh, right. I don't think it's coincidence. Um, after last week's show where we had to pay up a couple bets and we're drinking, uh, you know, wormwood liquor and, and malt liquor, uh, we're back to drinking beer. And we're, we're, you know, we're going back to the basics right around the Cincinnati area, just down the street from where we are, right off River Road, just west of the city. Uh, beer that we've at least had once before on the show, maybe twice. Uh, 13 Below Brewery. Uh, we are drinking their Submerged wit Beer. So it's a uh, wheat beer, uh, 4.7 ABV. Uh, it is 22 IBU. And I believe 13 Below has just started, I mean... Obviously, we're seeing the cans, but they just started kind of labeling and canning their beers. So, uh, you know, nice look and, and nice chance to kind of try these beers. I know you said before the show you're
1: you're starting to get into some of the numbers. I believe this is beer number 95. Yes, this is our 95th beer that we've had on the show, and I'm doing this because we are approaching 100 episodes, and I want to go give a rundown of our first 100 episodes and where we've been across Ohio. Uh, of course, haven't done 13 Below since our very, very, very early beginnings. I think the second episode, we had their West Coast IPA in a growler. Yep. And now, yeah, they are canning beers. Got this, uh, went super west side with this one. Hit the Duber's gas station. Ooh. Yep. Uh, and, uh, you know, that was, what, three three years ago for us. It's now going on five years, 13 Below celebrating their fifth anniversary this weekend uh, a lot of cool activity is down there in the sailor park neighborhood and another thing i found that was interesting in that whole stat you know roundup that i did greg we've only had four wheat beers this is only a fourth time doing a wheat beer on the on the podcast and that's what i, I that's wild for me because uh i
0: i know i'm a big wheat beer person i mean i know you know I've, I've had wheat beers from most of the breweries in the city because whenever I go with my parents, my, my mom's usual go-to is a wheat yep. beer. So surprised by that. Uh, the unsurprising one, uh, 30
1: IPAs. Yeah, we've had 30 IPAs. So a break from the IPA here. And what makes this different from the other wheats that we've had, we've had, obviously, the the very famous Raz Wheat from Jackie O's. Super refreshing there. Yep. Um, we've had a couple, uh, you know, two other ones. None of them have been your traditional belgian wheat yeah the, uh, the like wit this beer. one is yeah the wit beer that uses traditional uh belgian style uh yeast uh you'll also find hints of orange and coriander and uh slight hop what is coriander um cory in the house i don't uh, know cory in the house so look uh, cory in the house uh,
0: before before we try this beer i i definitely think for 100th episode you know since we we like to do a little brainstorming on the show i think we have to I think we do a Mount Rushmore of our favorite beers, but we get like each of us can only pick one. So like, you may pick you know this beer and then we can't pick it, and then I pick. I don't know. Like you said, the Jackie who yeah, has well, we? It's not a bad idea. I mean, then look we so many all, great beers. Pour them all together
1: and drink them at the end. Yes. Yeah. See. Ah. This is a yes. great idea. This is a great it, idea. It,
0: almost as good as the uh, what was it? The twenty five days of brew dog beer we, we oh, got some yeah, weird yeah, the, ones the
1: uh brew dog advent calendar we did a lot to look back on in a couple episodes here but Oh, for sure
0: but uh trying out this
1: beer it is i mean it's a nice refreshing wheat
0: i mean it's got that like uh the one thing that i do like about the wheat beers is they have those like nice kind of orange citrusy notes in them yeah i mean this one what like you said pretty traditional uh you know a lot of beers that we've had probably in the last year or two of this show have kind of been your you know like chocolate vanilla yeah you know yeah, ipas where l- it's weird. like some of them are a little bit you know different some of them are a little bit nor you know this is just a solid beer i would i would say you know it it has the full flavor it doesn't really nothing really overpowers you but i feel like you know as far as i guess i would i would include it as like a uh like a blue moon for craft brew drinkers. You know what I mean? Yes. Where, where you kind of get that, you know, like uh, some of the breweries. I know 13 Below has something, you know, similar. But a lot of the breweries will have like their, uh, you know, like their light lager. That's kind of like a Bud Light on steroids, like a Bud Light right. that actually tastes like beer. Your closest thing to yeah. a light light lager. So this is, this is almost like a, uh, you know. The closest thing to uh, to like a Blue Moon. A Blue Moon, yeah. But, you know, once again, craft brewed, you know, small batches. You get some more of the subtle notes. But uh, the one thing that I will say about 13 Below, you know, I I think now they've they've recently added seltzers and whatnot. But as far as a brewery, I feel like they do have, you know, for one of those breweries that doesn't have, you know, like 30 beers on tap like some do. They've got a couple of your specialties, a couple of your standards, and then a couple of like... I mean, I like beer, but I don't really like craft beer, beer to kind of, you yeah. know, like, th- I feel like that's almost this one. And I'm not saying anything like it's any, any less of a craft beer, but I feel like it's it's standard enough to the point where it's like, well, do you like Bud Light? Do you like Blue Moon? You know, it's one of those things that can kind of push people into the craft right. realm you can, of beer.
1: You can get your, you know, domestic kind of base on what people like and then steer them in the right direction. But I think the one thing that the submerged does really well in trying to compare to, uh, say, a Blue Moon is, and I'll help some bartenders that I know out, 13 Below does not have orange slices, but I don't think you need an orange slice like you would maybe get with a Blue Moon or some of your wheat beers. You get that perfect amount of orange hint in there. uh, Will also being, you know, a sweet, light, what'd we say, 22, 22 IBU, refreshing beer.
0: Wait, what the hell? Coriander is the same thing as cilantro?
1: What? That can't be right.
0: Coriander is an annual herb herb. Is it herb or herb? I think it's herb. In your From name, the your family Apicae. It is also known as Chinese parsley, Diana, or cilantro.
1: Huh. Well, that's, that's something that we learned on the podcast today is that cilantro is the same thing as Corey in the house. <laughs> Who would have thought? Who would have thought? Who would have thunk it? Well,
0: you know what we would have thought going in? That we were gonna have a great beer from thirteen below and I'm definitely enjoying this submerged as we submerge ourselves into all the hot takes from a wild weekend of football. <laughs> Hashi, we have to start positively, I think. I think on this show we got to start positive, right? We're pretty positive people. We're positive people. And you know what? If you're a Browns fan coming out of this game, yes, there is some stuff to work. I mean, the passing game, 147 pass yards. Not perfect. I'll say that. Didn't score any points in the first quarter. Uh, You know, nine points in the second half did give up a lead late before Cade York saved us. But overall solid defensive game. Uh Nick Chubb is an absolute monster. He just had a he had the most casual 140-yard rushing game that I've ever seen. Oh, believe me, buddy, I know.
1: I got I got Chubb mixing on the fantasy team. I, yeah. It's a nasty duo, but Ooh. I was loving that Chubb yardage all day.
0: So, yeah, I mean, he was just, you know, just 10 yards, 10 yards. They just started driving and, you know. and they be like you know what? We don't want to start from the 25. We'll actually start from the 35. So, um, you know, to to overview it, uh, the Browns go into Carolina. Uh, you know, obviously, without Deshaun Watson, Jacoby Brissett at the helm, facing uh, former number one overall draft pick and, you know, longtime Brown, Baker Mayfield. Uh, you know, early in the game, uh, what was it? The uh Panthers you know started punt punt uh five plays 3 yards punt interception punt so slow start for the for the Panthers uh Browns were only able to get up you know got up 14 nothing uh before a touchdown and a field goal in the second half uh the Panthers you know came back had a couple uh you know had a big drive and then had like a someone gets lost in the defense which was really the best offense for the Panthers they hit on that like some guy sneaks through the defense and scores a touchdown I think their first touchdown yeah six plays 75 yards 50 of those were on one play you know the one touchdown uh when they went up 23 14 was a one play 75 yard touchdown where uh you know a guy just snuck free uh but the big I guess the two big things one defense played better side of some mental lapses uh and Cade York Uh, the Browns have a kicker, Cade York, 58 yards, uh, for Browns fans, you know, Phil Dawson has kind of been the standard for the Browns and they've kind of been, uh, uh, flubbering around since then, you know, whether it's, uh, Billy Cundiff, Zane Gonzalez, uh, Cody Parkey, uh, uh, Austin Seibert. Ah, uh, Cody Parkey again, <laughs> uh, you know. So well, double doink. A lot, double doink double a lot double of guys. A lot of guys. Yeah, he was perfect during the playoffs.
1: I'm surprised you haven't come at me with this about Cade York because I believe he uh, takes this from a uh, shooter. I'm not. I'm not entirely sure on this, but it's got to be close. Cade York's game-winning 58-yard field goal for the Browns, longest made field goal by a rookie in their first team game of the season in NFL history. That's per NFL research. Dang, and.
0: Going back to the golden standard, Phil Dawson's longest ever field goal, 57 yards. Cade York's first game, 58 yards. Longest uh, kick by a Browns kicker, I believe, since the 80s. So uh, big kick, big win for the Browns. Um, You know, I would say big takeaways. Uh, The rushing offense is awesome. Uh, Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt, uh, good, if you weren't aware, very good uh passing game disappointing you know there were a couple drives the first drive for the browns you know uh turnover on downs after 29 yards uh you know a couple of sustained play sustained drives that kind of flamed out because of some mispasses on third down i thought amari cooper wasn't super sharp we'll get to not playing in the preseason but i didn't think he was great uh donovan peoples jones was good but you know some issues there i will say one standout uh an Ohio guy, a guy who's gotten better year after year. You know, a second year guy who really only played tackle one year in college, James Hudson, who's basically our third right tackle with Conklin still Conklin and uh Chris Hubbard still coming back from season end injuries last year. Played very well on the right side. You know, I don't I mean, the Panthers barely even had any pressures on uh on Brissett all day. Um you well, know, passing game's gonna have to get better. Uh special teams catching punts is gonna have to get better. It kind of uh uh you know, with Jakeem Grant tearing his Achilles, it was Demetrik Felton. I think he muffed one that had to be recovered and then like almost muffed a second. Uh defensively, said outside of the the couple big plays that they gave out. I mean Baker Mayfield was only sixteen of twenty seven. Uh Christian McCaffrey, ten carries for thirty three yards. So really a side of like a big 75-yard pass to robbie anderson i thought things were pretty solid uh time of possession was almost two to one overall solid start for the browns uh you know like we mentioned the the beginning of the season is is fairly forgiving uh you got the jets with a backup quarterback next week and then a thursday nighter against the steelers be careful you never know oh uh, look it's the browns i don't go in with i i don't go in Checking off anything
1: as a win because I know how the Browns are. I'm just saying, what I once I knew this team who went into New York playing a backup QB thinking it was gonna be all hunky dory. Yeah, but it's then, not it's not Mike White, it's Joe Flacco. Mike White. Although the Browns did lose the last
0: time they played I think it was the last time they played New York, but that was also because all of their receivers were on the COVID list. Yeah.
1: So Oh yeah, that game. Oof. That game, yeah. Well, one thing I thought for the when you look at like the success of the Browns week one that you know, we talked about, you know, the Bengals and what everyone said. And I think one thing you can look at the Browns and what everyone said and what some people forgot about is that they still have such a great offensive line. And I think you see that in the explosiveness of both Hunt and Chubb, a 25 yarder for Chubb, a 24 yard touchdown run for Kareem Hunt. Uh, just plenty of plenty of protection for your percent Uh only one sack, not a lot of pressures either. So just plenty of room to work in the trenches on offense. And I think that's ultimately the Browns, you know, safety cushion, uh, comfort blanket.
0: You look at Nick Chubb, he ran the ball 22 times and he didn't have any like, you know, game breaking run. I mean, he had a 25 yard run, but he didn't have like any, you know, like, oh, he has an 80 yard run or two. And that really inflates his yards per carry. I mean, he had a 25 yard run and in 22 carries, he averaged six and a half yards a carry. Yeah. You know, Kareem Hunt had a 24-yard carry, but in 11 carries, had, you know, four-plus yards to carry. So, once again, the offense really there. I mean, Kareem Hunt was obviously a great change of pace, still 4.2 yards per carry. Uh, you know, four receptions, was the second-leading receiver, uh, had a receiving and a um, uh, and a rushing touchdown. So, really, all over the place. Um, as far as negatives, like I said, Brissette's got to be better on third down. Uh, I thought Cooper, what, he had six targets and three catches. I thought he could have made a couple more catches. And you just worry, you know, at some point you're going to get, especially like a Steelers team, which even possibly without TJ Watt can still, you know, man down the box. And it's one of those things if you can't hit on a couple of passes. Yeah. That's not great. QBR was 38.1. So it didn't turn over the ball, but didn't really do much spectacularly. I feel like it's a game that if a few more passes go their way, you know, the Browns put up 40.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, I think that ultimately, like, I don't care who you are. If your offensive line's doing a solid job and you're getting a solid 4-6 to per uh, per play, then, like, I don't care what team you are. You're going to have some sort of success. But, man, if Brissette can... Get it together a little bit, then that offense will be cooking. And the, you know the defense kept Baker in
0: um, in a box for a lot, at least a lot of the first half. Uh, I think it was five passes were knocked down of his eleven incompletions. And you look at his, you know, what he had two hundred thirty-five yards, one hundred twenty-five run. Like I said, two plays, uh, seventy-five of Robbie Anderson's one hundred two yards were on one play. 50 of ian thomas's 53 yards were on one play and those are the two you know leading receivers so if you can keep If you don't do that single high safety shenanigans where you try to like sort of blitz someone You know, I I don't know if the Panthers even get to 20 points and right That's certainly a a recipe for success for the Browns on the other side
1: Josh. Yeah, yeah. Well, we'll 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 hit this real quick cuz I do want to get to some we're short on time and I do want to get to some college ball. But yeah, obviously very disappointing. Way more uh stressful and uh, uh you can call it entertaining of a game than you were expecting week 1, I think. Uh but I mean, wow.
0: Five, four interceptions uh and a fumble. All right. Just give me a just give me like 30 seconds. We call him Joe Scab because everybody wants to pick him.
1: Five interceptions. One was called back, and the fumble. Yeah, um, I didn't realize. I
0: thought it was Paycor Stadium, not RB Stadium, because <laughs> Joe Burrow was serving up turnovers. Oh, that's terrible! Get out of here with that. Uh, so, as we mentioned, you know, Joe Burrow, thirty-three of 50, fifty-three passes
1: um 22 passing first downs so uh, 32 first downs overall to 13. yeah Steelers uh, only had 13 first downs and were four for 15 on third
0: uh four interceptions as a trubisky 21 to 38 194 yards and a touchdown i mean what really encapsulates this game i feel like was the steelers had four drives of over 15 yards two in the first half two in overtime They got a field goal, a touchdown. They missed a field goal and got the game-winning field goal. You know, that's, what, 13 of their 23 points. And then the other one, they didn't even have an offensive drive. Right. 20 of their 23 points came from, you know, a couple of sustained drives and then a a pick six. The Bengals had, uh, what was it, nine drives of 30-plus yards, so double that. And, uh You know, scored on three of them, two touchdowns and a field goal, Uh, three picks, a missed field goal, and a uh, turnover on downs. So, I mean, to some, the offense looked good. The defense, you know, kept the Steelers in bay. I feel like there was just a lot of um, a a lot lot of miscommunication. You know what I think I heard earlier. You know, the Bengals offensive line looked like. They hadn't even played a game of cards together, more or less played a snap of, you know, football together.
1: The offensive line is the one thing that I did want to touch on in terms of not as bad as it seemed. I know when you take the face value of all the sacks and all the pressures that it seemed really bad, but they actually did create a lot of space for Joe to work on some of the more explosive plays. They did create space for Mixon where you were seeing Mixon actually get a second or two in the backfield to pick a lane and pick a move, you know, where you didn't normally see that as first was always getting contact a yard behind the line of scrimmage.
0: Still only three yards of carry. He did have 27, a lot of plays for the Bengals. A lot of a plays. Lot of and plays. so
1: I think to sum up, to sum it all up here, I think you look at, um, let's look at time of possession here. Bengals had 40, almost 44 minutes time of possession, which is crazy. Uh did have the extra ten minutes, yeah, so you gotta it, it take it with little, a little bit little, of a grain bit of salt. A little bit of inflated here. Still it Steelers, was
0: like thirty-seven. So it, yeah. it was about two to one like the Browns uh Panthers game. S-
1: Steelers only had twenty-six minutes of possess- of possession, Bengals total yardage four hundred thirty-two. Steelers total yardage only two hundred sixty-seven, but the Steelers had one more total drives than the Bengals did, and three more points than the Bengals did. And I think a lot of it just falls on Zach Taylor, man. You've got to play – you have got to play your starters at least a little bit in the preseason. I'd be fine if the preseason was only two games and they only went out there for one drive. But you've got to see some live game action because I think you saw – you saw a team that had not played together, the offense especially, that had not played together for a while, especially when you consider the appendectomy and the time missed in training camp. But, I mean, my three things are, you know, Zach Taylor's got to be more prepared, coach a better game, and make a challenge. Like, that, That I don't know if you saw that play on the yeah. goal and how you don't at least call a timeout to maybe think about.
0: Yeah, and, and you can't, like I feel like if they would have challenged it, and I I saw like all the kind of like fake fan angles where they're they're from the twenty uh, right, and yeah, they're yeah, like yeah. he's two yards into the end zone, and I'm like, uh,
1: he, I'm not I, saying I, he was in, but did not take a look. Yeah, it's I was pretty gonna egregious. Say, even
0: if you even if you uh, yeah even if you don't see it, like taking a look has to be done. I will say the the two things that did kind of uh, you know jump out to me. Uh, one was. You know, kind of forcing the ball at times, especially the oh, chase. Yeah. Oh, you know, yeah. one of one of the Bengals. uh, I, I mean, I remember it clearly. So I'm sure there were some. Uh, you know, some of the worst games that the Bengals have had is when Burrow tries to force it to chase a little bit too much. And you look at Chase and you go, you know, ten receptions, 129 yards, but he had 16 targets. There yeah. were a couple picks on throws to him. His longest reception. Now, normally for an, another player, you'd say. Only 24 yards is, but he's more of that, you know, explosive right. play kind of guy where it's like the, the game's not quite going to play. And if he only has, you know, like one 20-plus yard reception, and they're trying to force the ball into. Him. I mean, obviously, later in the game did start checking down to Mixon. Mixon had a good game. You know, losing T. Higgins is is a big part, but I feel like there was a little bit too much trying to force it to your best receiver and that kind of. Fell apart
1: and that I think uh, you can attribute a lot of that to Higgins going out early in the game with the concussion. But like going forward, Taylor's got to coach better. Uh, Lyle Collins needs to play a lot better uh, on the on the offensive line. And number three, Greg, our whole podcast has been harping on this since last November. You've got to have better red zone efficiency. You've got to score when you're down there. Two for five ain't going to cut it. Ain't no way, no how. Yeah, Not in this division.
0: Browns only getting, uh, I think, one of four touchdowns in their in their red zone. So, you know, uh, tough look there for both teams. Uh, Bengals do get the Cowboys without Dak Prescott. You'll get a, a, a Cooper Rush game. So, you know, a chance to uh, bounce back both the Browns and the Bengals, uh, you know, six-plus point favorites going into yeah. next week. So yeah, that. hopefully it could be a good weekend. Uh, yeah. A weekend that was, you know, kind of up and down for several teams in the college ranks uh several top 25 teams going down uh numbers six, eight, nine, twelve, seventeen, nineteen, 12 17 19 and 25 all lose uh a few of them you know playing each other uh such as uh you know good nightcap uh 21 byu beats number nine baylor yep uh you know one. uh Number 12, Florida loses to number 20, Kentucky. Uh, Alabama squeaks out a game against a backup quarterback yeah. for the second half against Texas, 20-19. to But then some of the shocking losses. Appalachian State goes to College Station, beats Texas A&M 17-14. Uh, the oh, Thunder scary. and Herd just over the border in Huntington, West Virginia, beat number eight, Notre Dame in South Bend, 26-21. to uh, and then, you know, Washington State beating Wisconsin in Wisconsin 17 to 14. Uh, you know, AAC, Houston losing to Texas Tech. And then a very funny one, uh, Georgia Southern beating Nebraska. Scott Frost is now Out. fired.
1: Yeah, Scott Frost getting, uh, getting the can. And then I believe West Virginia also, uh, ousting their their head coach but greg pretty wild wacky saturday and i think uh, uh what,
0: what what would you say was the uh, was the craziest part of this saturday for you
1: mine mine it's got to be that app state game because i just continue to say well and you could say this as a whole on saturday across the board Fun Belt, don't mess around, man. That Sun Belt has been no, really, really, sir. really putting some momentum together as a conference the past couple of years. And, and stole some good teams. Yep. So, you know, Marshall oh, yeah.
0: coming over from Conference USA, yep. now a Sun Belt team.
1: Yeah, I mean, they're really putting together themselves as a, as a decent conference here in App State, getting that win. I don't know if you saw the video out of Boone, North Carolina, with the kids coming oh, out yeah. oh, the bars, rushing down. the street. So cool. Uh, BYU also getting the win over Baylor. Um, I know some folks were crushed by that had had Baylor was a big handle on the nightcap that night. But uh, just a crazy, crazy Saturday. I was surprised. Uh, I think like six or seven o'clock. I was wondering, I'm like, man, is this is this Black Saturday already? I mean, what was craziest part to you? I mean,
0: uh, you know, I had some some bets going on in the later part, really not a whole lot of action at the noon window. So I was pretty locked in on that Alabama, Texas game. First off, seeing Quentin Ewers in the first, you know, quarter yeah. and a half or so, I was like, Wow, this kid's solid. And then, you know, he goes out. I think at that point it's ten ten or like, you know, they're about to walk into tight end. In. And you go, All right, well, he's gone, you know, Alabama's got this. And then Alabama couldn't score, couldn't score, and then you're like, well, maybe Texas can, you know, take control of this game, but only three field goals in the second half, gives up that touchdown to Alabama loses 20 to 19 and uh, you know, it's one of those things where you're like Alabama really didn't look like Alabama for big chunks of this game. You know, Bryce young uh, was, uh, he finished 27 of 39 for 213 yards. A lot of that in the late, you know, in the late drives. So some, I feel like kind of some worry and you look at a lot of these teams that, you know, did not look great. Uh, You know, Clemson only beating a FCS Furman team by 23, you know, they kind of took their foot off the gas, but not a whole lot of, you know, good stuff. I mean, Georgia shut out their team, but uh, shut out Sanford, but Oklahoma, you know, was only up seven to three at halftime before kind of getting things into gear. Uh, USC had some tense moments. So, you know, a lot of, just weird moments where you look at you you, you know you kind of looked at the beginning of the year and you're like well there are you know four teams that are way above the the rest in Alabama, Georgia, Ohio State and uh uh Clemson and you look at you know Clemson week 1 looked to be very flawed. Ohio State looked better this week but You know, now that, you know, 10-point, 11-point win at home over, now an unranked Notre Dame doesn't look quite as good. No. Alabama, you know, won a squeaker, and then I guess Georgia won 33 to nothing, but, you know, that doesn't really mean much. They look great week one, so Georgia's really the only one that you still kind of see that invincibility cloak on. And, uh, Josh, I wanted to wait until this point. Uh, Did have a couple things to uh, mention on the AP Top 25 Uh, Just released at noon today from last week. Uh, What is it? Two teams moving, you know, uh, or actually, sorry, three teams moving three plus spots. Uh, What? Three non-ranked teams coming up. One with a loss in Texas moving up to 21. I I have my big thought on the... uh, on the on the poll but what are your initial reactions looking at the the ap top 25
1: uh i'm surprised that uh some schools did not crack the top 25 and i've kind of been when you you, you'll look at i mean three teams case in point when you look at the others receiving votes lift list and that's led by marshall with 85 votes second cincinnati with 80 votes or excuse me uh cincinnati's tied with app state with 80 votes apiece and I kind of felt like this when Cincinnati got booted out of the top 25. Obviously, a little bias there with them holding that record for so long. But you look at teams like Oregon. You look at teams like AM, You look at teams like Florida and Baylor. And you wonder how they did not <laughs> drop a little bit more. Even even Pitt being at 23 is kind of surprising. Skidding that far after, you know, some Two decent games there.
0: Yeah, two Uh, tough
1: games. I mean, you
0: know, Kentucky and uh, Utah. I mean, right now, you know, uh, 9-14. and The one thing that I will kind of say is a little bit of the, uh, you know, and I guess this happens from the AP poll quite a bit. One, kind of overstating the week that's ahead, you know, the week that just happened. Two, you know, penalizing some teams different than other teams. You know, Alabama had a squeaker; they dropped a spot. But like Oklahoma didn't look good in the first half; they went up a spot. Yeah. You know, to Kent uh,
1: State. Little shout out to the the Golden Flashes in Kent State yeah. holding Oklahoma to seven to three at half. I mean,
0: Michigan State has beaten Western Michigan and Akron and has got a, you know went up three points. And then also, you look at Cincinnati lost to the team that is now ranked tenth by seven points on the road so in a neutral site that line would probably be about three do you think that's a difference of 17 spots then you look at i mean utah is four spots higher than florida florida just beat utah and i understand it was at home but they just beat utah you know nc state uh you know survived the scare for a, a little while uh you know, Pittsburgh's looked. I mean, they just barely beat a team that lost to Kansas. So you look at a lot of these teams, and you're like, Penn State hasn't looked that great in either of their games. And I, think I, that's I mean, obviously, you only have two games to look at. the uh, The range of competition is wild. But, but just
1: look at the two games. It continues to be a flaw of the AP poll not looking at head to head matchups and not giving that enough weight, especially when you're this young in the season. I feel like so much is weighted on preseason rankings, which in this era of college football, I just don't care about. You know, like already. Oh I mean I think that point's been proven already in the first two weeks of football. I mean, yeah, you look at uh what was it? The the
0: preseason, you know, top uh top ten, you have Alabama who barely got by Florida, Ohio State who struggled with what well, was number five now unranked Notre Dame. I mean five through ten you have Notre Dame lost, AM lost, Utah lost. Michigan hasn't lost. They've looked fine, but they have, they've played pretty
1: inferior and competition. I'm sorry. It's always been a thing. Uh, you could, Oklahoma. This, yeah, it dates back two years great. for me in Oklahoma. Baylor and Oregon. Constantly lost. never looks great in the first half. So, what?
0: One, two, three, four, five. Five of the, what, six teams between five and 11 have yeah. lost already. Like
1: Kent, Kent, I love you, but you had no business being in that game that close with Oklahoma and Oklahoma had no business being right there with you at halftime. It's ridiculous that, you know, they moved up a spot after that performance. I don't care what happened in the second half. I mean, that's what's expected of you.
0: Yeah. So looking forward to next week before we get back to some beer, which we'll need after looking at this, a people, um, you know, still not the most exciting week, I would say, in college football. BYU-Oregon is a big game, but as far as the Ohio schools go, a couple of uh, interstate matchups that aren't exactly the biggest. Uh, Toledo going to Ohio State. Ohio Ooh, State, 31.5-point th- favorites. Toledo did get a huge win against uh, UMass. Night but,
1: game on Fox, too. Yeah, so, no. a huge
0: night game on Fox. Uh, Cincinnati playing a noon game against Miami of Ohio at Paul Brown stadium. Talk about kind of a snoozer. One big note though, or yeah, yeah, whatever it is, uh, RB stadium, I believe is what I called it. Um, will (laughs) after all these wins do have a chance to tie up the, uh, all time series. I believe it would be, I believe it's, it is tied up or it is tied up. Now it's 59, 59 and seven. Uh, also, one game under 500 at Nippert, so next year could have a chance to uh, get that back to even. I believe only one win for the Red Hawks since Big Ben was there.
1: Yeah, 15 um, in a row for the Bearcats, and uh, that'll, be our, that'll be our Who You Got on Friday if you want to look at our uh, social media, at 30 Rack of Sports on Twitter, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Instagram TikTok. TikTok, uh, Twitter and again,
0: Pigeon Owls. Pigeon Owls, Pigeons. Submerged is our wit beer, also known as a Belgian-style wheat ale. It has a nice, light golden color with a flavorful, moderate body profile, hints of orange, coriander, which is also cilantro, and slight hop. Keep cold, drink fresh.
1: I had no idea, man.
0: I'm lost now. I feel like I feel feel like everything that I was told as a child is a lie right now.
1: Everything I know about herbs is fake. I had no idea.
0: Every time I think of the word herb, I just think of uh, KFC's Twitter, who follows like the Spice Girls and like a couple guys named. Couple guys named Herb. You get to eleven different herbs. See, but I
1: think that's Herb. You have Herb and Herb. So Herb is the name. Yeah, Herb is the guy. Herb is the like plant. Yeah, the cilantro, the coriander. Huh? What have you. But uh, as we said in the open, great beer from 13 Below. One of the, uh, one of the mainstays there since 2017. And uh, on the can, new labels. Uh, you'll find the, you know, classic design that 13 Below has on most of their stuff with a little uh, the slanty slants and the uh, German uh, Bavarian font there. Josh, why is it called 13 Below? Well, Greg... Uh do you know what a nautical mile is? Yes. As an as a, as a uh, avid uh boats, boatsmith. A boats a boatsman, a boatsmith. Uh yeah, so thirteen below is thirteen nautical miles from downtown Cincinnati if you were to take the Ohio River on a riverboat down the river, and you would be thirteen nautical miles below Cincinnati since you are downriver. So it is thirteen below brewery. And you can head out there to 13 below in the Sailor Park area of Cincinnati this weekend for their fifth anniversary parties. Uh, try this Whitbeer and many other cool, cool concoctions that they have brewed up for uh, small batch concoctions. They've brewed up for the weekend as well as Greg, you brought up the many, many, many seltzers they have. Uh, what do you think is longer, a mile or a nautical
0: mile? Ooh, I'm going to say a nautical mile. Nautical mile is 1.1508 1. land-measured or statute miles.
1: Statute miles.
0: I've never heard it called a statute mile. I love that, though. A statute mile. If a nautical mile is 100%, a statute mile is about 87% of that, and a kilometer is about 54%. So there you go. You're learning something on 30 Brackets Sports. Right, and you You're learning do this. coriander, cilantro, and nautical miles.
1: But if you're like, if you're done, say you wake up on a Sunday morning, you tend to your cilantro garden, your coriander, Yeah, take a little snip, snip, and then you're like, ah, after all this hard work, I'd like to go have a beer. You could get in your boat, boat on down the river, uh, dock up at the marina right there, walk on up and uh, have your beer at 13 below the building that you will find on the can on the back there. You can, uh, what? You can boat 13
0: nautical miles or drive like... 14 and uh there's uh, some twists and turns in there 15 uh, 15 ish minutes we'll go
1: there yeah uh fernbank park right next to it also a great uh great little uh love that park park to uh bike or walk or if you're a crazy person run eat luncheon eat luncheon from the incline smoke shack that is that best barbecue in the city but uh greg you know, uh, we can always be found at thirteen below, and thirteen below can always be found on thirty rack. <laughs>
0: Josh, it is September, which means college like football over, NFL pumpkin spice season. I don't know about that. Whoa, Oktoberfest, buddy. Oktoberfest too. Oktoberfest guy. Uh, but also the final home stretch for baseball. I know, um, you know. I, I I I root for the guards, also like the Cubs. Uh, Cubs have been a forgotten memory. Reds have been a forgotten memory for for months at this point. But the Cleveland Guardians. Fortunately, Zach, not here to talk with us. Still in the lead.
1: Crazy man.
0: 73 and 65. What is that? 138 games. So they have 22 games left. Two and a half games up on the Chicago White Sox, who have finally gotten over 500 because Tony LaRusso is not there. The Twinkies falling behind 69 and 74 and a half out right now playoff odds say probably not going to uh, be a wild card team so 68.2 on the guardians 26.6 on the white Sox, 7.3 on the twins less than 0.1 on the royals and the tigers already eliminated I guess the Royals probably about to be eliminated because they're only like two and a half games up. So looking at this Guardians team as we record, once like we said, seventy three and sixty five, but currently up two to nothing against the Los Angeles Angels of no longer Anaheim, even though they still play in Anaheim. Uh Josh. After this, after this series, they have probably the biggest stretch. To end the season I strict, their biggest, biggest stretch, stretch in baseball of the season nine games a one-game series a five-game series And then a three-game series because of all the rainouts early in the season One against the White Sox at home Five against the twins at home and then three on the south side of Chicago Nine straight games against those teams. They're jockeying with uh, final 12 games at texas home versus tampa bay and then a six game homestand versus the royals probably because of some of that early uh you know <coughs> uh lockout shenanigans i know zach has given his thoughts on this you know on this stretch obviously a huge stretch uh guardians were down for a while uh one of the la- you know they lost i think it was uh you know eight of ten have won five of their last six, taking, uh, you know, two of three in Kansas City before three huge wins in Minnesota. Josh, what do the guards have to do to get through this streak and kind of cement their place as, hey, we're the big dogs in the AL Central?
1: Well, first, I'll give—excuse me. sounding like him now. Uh, I'll give Zach's uh, thoughts here is he starts off with a prediction— that they go six and three over this nine-game stretch that we're talking about with the White Sox and the Minnesota Twins. Uh, and he says his key, this is Zach's key here, a Resident Guardian fan, that there is going to be uh all on the starting rotation, you know, with the three remaining arms they have, you know, at three regular remaining arms that they've had uh for a while now. Yeah, those three arms, uh Shane Bieber, who uh
0: you know, struggled early in the year, but has kind of turned back into that uh, Cy Young. Uh, Tristan McKenzie, who may have a 10-11 and 11 record, but has been outstanding. And then uh, Cal Quantrill, who has been just unbelievable at home. So, uh, you know, his next, uh, his next start versus the Angels at home. Uh, twins at home. So a couple of home starts for him. He is fantastic at home. Um, Connor Pilkington, uh, who's starting this game also part of it so kind of some uh yeah you know some start some spot starters as they try to figure things out but really it's on those three big arms you know the first uh three games of this stretch uh mckenzie bieber pilkington you know if they can take three of five against minnesota i feel like they're in really good shape because the white Sox. i mean really all these teams have been very much jekyll and hyde so far Right now, the Guardian's hot. Uh, You know, obviously the Twins not. Chicago's been up and down. Hopefully they can keep it through.
1: Yeah, I mean, you look at, you know, Quantrill, McKenzie, Bieber, Pilkington's come on there for a little bit. And, you know, Zach's saying that, you know, Bieber or excuse me, Quantrill, uh, McKenzie, and Pilkington kind of have to be the guys that carry it through the rest of the way. The thing that I get worried about, Greg, is their offense. Yeah,
0: if you look at that what uh 8 of 10 that they lost. <clears throat> every game that they lost, they scored uh I guess one well so I, two in yeah. one extra inning game, but it's really been one or zero in all those games. Yeah. So, it has been kind of a rough offensive go the last couple games, you know, 7-6 and 4. You just I feel like you just have to score enough runs.
1: Right, cuz I mean, you look at you look at the good we let off this segment with uh, you know, the good is that they ha- are on a great form right now winning th- uh 5 of their last 6 but you look before that they lost what six six of their six of, their, six of their, seven before that 6 of 7 and 8 of 10 so it's and you know you saw you can go through a list of a long list of uh Cleveland pitchers to different Cleveland pitchers to get a decision in that span too so you you definitely can see just by looking at box scores right there how many arms they're having to use right now. But I think the thing that we've always said about the Guardians the past two seasons is they have plenty of MLB-ready arms under control within their system. It's going to be, you know, how well can uh, Terry manage that going through this important stretch right here? Uh, and can that offense have some sort of consistency in pop? You know, you always look for the teams that Get hot going into October and everything. Can they put some momentum together here in this important stretch offensively and carry that through the rest of the way? I don't know. What do you think?
0: Look, I'm going to say they go at least five and four. And I think uh, having that Royal Series at the end uh, propels them into that NL Central or AL Central crown. I think they go over 500 in this stretch. Uh, You know, I don't know about the Rays, but they beat up on the Rangers beat up on the Royals and, uh, you know, come playoff time, the uh, Guardians are at least getting a, a three-game series.
1: Yeah, it's, it's you know, it's good that Cleveland's getting this out of the way now and then can settle down a bit at the end because while, while they're having the easier series at the end, uh, you know, those last three or four series at the end of September, first week of October— Chicago and Minnesota have six games against each other in that span, so yep. they're going to be the ones duking it out, and they're going to be beating each other up. Yeah, Cleveland's got to take care of business. You can't be, you know, scoring one run against the Royals again in the last week.
0: Well, speaking of a, a couple teams that uh, are also coming to the uh, what the brass tacks of things, you know, the end of the road here, uh, four and in, in, uh, five games left for the six and seven seeds in the MLS East, uh, FC Cincinnati. Uh, 30 games, 42 points in sixth place, uh, in seventh place, which would be the final playoff spot. 29 points, or uh, 29 games, 41 points for the Columbus Crew. Uh, starting off, you know, both teams uh, double-digit ties, so have not been able to kind of get out of their own way. But FC Cincinnati, I believe it's like eight games unbeaten. Uh, topped off with a huge six nothing thrashing of. The San Jose Earthquakes, you know, a couple of weeks ago, I would say definitely after that first crew game, even a little bit after that second crew game, when they were kind of, you know, in that eighth spot, you had a lot of questions about them. But since then, you know, uh, two wins and a draw against a very good, you know, FC team looking at this FC Cincinnati team, you know, like we said, four games left, uh, four games up on the uh, on the New England Revolution, who are currently in eighth place. You know, two of those games against the... Two of those, I guess, the last two October games against the bottom part of the MLS East, Chicago, and D.C. United. First up, Josh, what do you think... What is the point total that you think, honestly, both Cincinnati and Columbus, because we'll get to Columbus in seventh place here in a second, need to get to? And two, do you think... The orange and blue get there and get their first ever MLS playoff appearance.
1: Well, Greg, they've finally uh, they've finally clinched their first ever not wooden spoon. The spoon will find a new home this year, and uh, yeah, right now sitting at forty two points, four off of uh, New England, who is first out of the playoffs. You know, I think. I think forty nine right now is a good a good mark to get to the forty. Just you know, I'd like to see him get to the fifty mark and everything. I think if you get over fifty, which would be oh fifty
0: fifty would be even if New England won their last four games, that would that would get you you know tied with them. So yeah,
1: so yeah. I I think you know you need two wins and two draws there to get to fifty. I think that's a very doable thing to for Cincinnati. Honestly, Greg, I say this goes for. This goes for Orlando, Cincinnati, Columbus, New England. If you want to get into the playoffs, you can't lose another game. Um, I'm not quite as uh, as bold as
0: you. Obviously, uh, I think Columbus's next game is against uh, nine seeded Inter Miami. But I would say if you can get to probably 45, that would be seven points. You know, two wins and a draw for New England out of their last two games. So I think if FC Cincinnati can get a win. And then would feel comfortable if they got a draw, a win, and a draw in their last two games. I think if Columbus can get, you know, two wins or uh, five draws, which would set the record for ties right now, Columbus four off the uh, to tie the record for most ties in a uh, in a season. You know, New England, uh, you know, still has some games coming in. Uh, a lot of good teams. They still play. You know, Houston. Uh, Montreal do have a couple easy games against, you know, Atlanta and Chicago, but you think seven points is a lot for a team that's, you know, 9, 11, and 10. I think if you get to probably 47, you feel comfortable, but I think 46 is probably the magic number to get in there.
1: Yeah, and while I think our situations differ a little bit uh, in Cincinnati, two of their last four remaining games uh, against West uh, Western Conference teams, one of them going to be very, very desperate for a win. I don't believe Seattle has ever missed the MLS Cup playoffs before ever, uh, so they'll be very desperate for a win uh, against Cincinnati there, but then we look to Decision Day on October 9th, uh, where the whole league plays their last game of the season. Uh, both the games at 2.30. Cincinnati has D.C. United in the capital. Uh, and D.C. United right now is the favorite for that wooden spoon. Yeah, right now, easier.
0: 27 points.
1: Uh, worst
0: out of all the 2018s, three points behind both so Houston and San Jose. You'd like to take that,
1: thing, that game, but then Columbus... They'll be in Orlando, Orlando, one of the other kind of bubble teams as of right now in the driver's seat, sit in the middle of a playoff pack. Yeah, but they're, I mean, them only up, uh,
0: right, yeah. you know, not, only up po- by a lot, only up by a point. It could be one of those things where, you know, if depending on how New England goes, uh, you know, if they get more than seven points, it could be one of those things where the winner's in, the loser's out obviously having all the games at once makes it so you can't really play for uh play for like a draw or something like that against another team so it could be it could be tense for you know all, both teams you know uh three teams separated by a point uh you know if New England who has a favorable schedule gets in or you know Inter Miami or something gets in the mix
1: could make things pretty tense yeah and i think Well, yeah, to agree with what you said, let's not forget here that most of the teams in the Eastern Conference are separated by a game or less when you look at when you look at the points. I think something that you got to be really careful with at the end of the season, though, and something that has bitten both of these teams hard is depth and depth mainly off of off of cards and penalties card accumulations guys that have had to sit for a game here or there when you don't have your ten in whether that be Zellerion in Columbus <clears throat> excuse me whether that be Lucho Acosta in Cincinnati when you don't have those guys it's a bit worrisome man
0: yeah i would say that's a big one and then i would say uh you know to kind of piggyback off of that i would say just the ability to get three points because i think both teams are going to have to get wins or at least a win you know preferably wins for both teams and you've seen it you know Cincinnati or uh, Columbus in their last game giving up a 2 nothing lead you know one goal in the 89th minute one in extra time not really ideal uh, FC Cincinnati has, has lost plenty of games leading and kind of leaking goals like you know once against Columbus so for both of these teams if they can turn those draws into wins they should both be safe uh you know when we look at the standings you know uh i guess late sunday night on october 9th josh would you expect to see both teams in just cincinnati or just columbus in the playoffs come late
1: night october 9th i think i think you're going to see both teams in I, I i just have a hard time seeing Orlando making it Orlando is the one that I really struggle like just watching them as a team and watching their defense uh I just don't I don't see them carrying themselves the rest of the way especially you know you look at that's a team that played very deep into the uh, midseason open cup tournament they've got Atlanta Toronto uh and then they've got Two of their last three games, fairly important uh, against New York City FC, one of the best teams in the East. And then, like we mentioned, on October 9th, Decision Day, they face Columbus. I just don't see them being successful in that stretch. And I think it's going to be Cincinnati, Columbus, and New England who take the last three spots in the East. Um, I'm also going to say both, but I'm actually going to
0: uh, say Orlando, Cincinnati, and Columbus. Um You know, I think... Minus nine goal differential there. That's worst in the top. Yeah, I think... The big thing that I think is, uh, you know, I think Columbus will get um, a result against uh, Inter-Miami, which will mean that both teams or you know, all three of those teams have a, you know, over a game cushion, a four-point cushion against New England. Uh, You know, New England in their last... uh, you know, so many games. You know, lost to LA, lost to New York, did beat NYCFC. You know, uh, one, one, and two. I just don't know if they're going to be in the form. They do have an easy schedule, but I think yeah, they have one one tough game. They'll drop maybe a couple points there. I don't see them getting much more than like, you know, like I said, seven points. And you know, that leaves all three of those teams to just try to figure out, you know, one win and maybe a draw out of that. And I think those three teams can get it. You know, none of those teams really have crazy schedules. So I think the three teams get it, and I think New England just uh, can't dig themselves out of a hole at the end of the year. Yeah, but I mean,
1: just to give you guys an idea for those casual fans out there that may not may not uh, have followed the MLS season and maybe just want to jump in for this playoff race, to give you an idea of how tight the Eastern Conference is, MLS always is, MLS is great at putting out the week, weekly updates and weekly point scenarios and everything. And for the past two, three weeks or so, they've been putting out an article on MLSsoccer.com uh, about who can clinch what scenarios or be eliminated and what have you. Uh, there is two, two, uh, two Eastern teams on the list. There's, there's a bunch of stuff in the Western Conference on who can get eliminated, who can clinch what or whatever but you have DC who can clinch elimination this weekend and you have Montreal who can clinch a playoff berth at the top of the East this weekend. Otherwise, I don't think anybody on the Eastern Conference is going to be on that list for at least two more weeks because it is that tight. Yeah. And, you know, for
0: people that may say, oh, you know, I I watch, you know, I watch the NFL. I watch, uh, you know, the NBA. If you sneak into the playoffs, that that's fine. You'll, you, you know, you'll get Uh, you know, the crap kicked in after, uh, after, you know, the first round, maybe the second round and then, you know, whatever happens, happens, you know, my first time really going to a bunch of games was, uh, the crew season in 2017 where they were the five seed in the East and, you know, they upset Atlanta and penalties, uh, beat New York city FC, uh, in a pretty awesome conference semifinals game just barely lost to toronto fc who ended up winning the cup and you know they were hairs away from going to the mls cup and winning one their own you know they were only a three seed when they won the cup this is more of a hockey dynamic where anything can happen even in two legs you know when you only have so many goals to give excitement can happen i mean You've seen it even in the USL. Cincinnati was the top seed. They fell. Columbus has been the top seed. has fallen. They've been a lower seed. Have done great. The one thing about soccer is in 90 minutes, anything, anything can happen. Anything can happen.
1: And for you Cincinnati fans out there, I'm telling you, October 9th. Go see, uh, go see Decision Day in the Capitol at 2.30. And then take a little drive. See Bengals-Ravens Sunday night football. It's not a bad... If you're looking to knock out two things in one day, not a not a bad little uh little drive there if you move quick. Yeah. But that's a lot of stress in one day.
0: <laughs> a lot of annoyance in one day.
1: Cheers.
0: Guys, we want to thank you once again for listening to another edition of 30 Rack of Sports. Ohio Sports and Beer Podcast. Of course, we want to give our first shout-out to you, the fans. Thank you so much for listening. Number two to 13 Below Brewery, one of our favorites. Shout-out, 13 submerged Below. submerged with beer. Traditional Belgian wheat. And our third, honestly, against my, my better judgment, uh, to the man that has some kind of flu, whether it's the stomach flu or the Aaron Rodgers look like a bum flu. Zach, so hopefully he is back next week to uh, take his rightful punishment.
1: Hey, he knows a guy that uh, can get him some medicine and also play quarterback on Sundays.
0: Little ayahuasca never hurt no one. Uh, We're going to finish up, as we always do, with our personal shout-outs. Josh, my shout-out comes from uh, a little bit off the walls. Uh, I am sure that you have been... uh, watching a lot of these uh, continental basketball tournaments recently, such as Eurobasket. Got up early, watched, you know, a little Croatia-Finland. You know, watched France come back against Turkey. Well, the FIBA-America Cup was this week. Um, Unfortunately, the USA, uh, not exactly playing their their top group. No. Uh, Finished third, but... One of their top scorers, uh, you know, uh, fifth-leading rebounder, uh, top scorer in the third-place game, former Cincinnati Bearcat, Gary Clark. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Gary Clark, 18 points against Canada. Um, Him and Norris Cole leading the way uh, for this obviously stacked Important. USA team. You're talking some names now. <laughs> uh ended up losing to uh Argentina in the uh in the semifinals. Uh I know who Luis Cola is. I don't know any of these other guys. Uh the USA roster that was obviously uh headlined by I I'm just going to say just Gary Clark. Uh Gary Clark and several others. Uh you know, was able to uh figure it out and uh you know, at least show uh, that they can play. Um, you know, also such uh, names as Matt, Mac McClung, former Texas Tech. My God. Uh, David Stockton, uh, son of John Stockton. Uh, and some other guys that, you know, certainly also play. Jim Boylan, their coach, uh, former Bulls head coach. So shout out to Gary Clark, who uh, at least made the number one team in the world look respectable, at least getting a third place finish behind, you know, argentina and brazil who are some good basketballing nations uh josh who is your shout out i'm, I'm sure it's also coming from the 2022 fiba america maybe okay. it's coming from australia those were Oklahoma. some names
1: there man like you pulled out a lot of just obscure names uh and since you pulled out gary clark i'm gonna give a shout out to another bearcat Derek forrest Derek excuse me, Derek Forrest. Derek Forrest I got the burps right now from this great submerge. Derek Forrest, former Cincinnati Bearcat, maybe had the hit of the weekend in the NFL monster hit for the Washington Commanders. Uh, if you didn't see it, uh I oh. sort of rookie
0: uh Travis Etienne uh for the Jaguars getting a little bit of like a swing pass. Uh Forrest hits the ball about 10 yards. I mean, he hits Etienne and then the ball pops out and goes about 10 yards backwards before it rolls out of bounds. Honestly, like about the hardest I've seen, like a football travel after a hit when a guy's going forward, like sometimes you knock it out when someone's trying to recover it and it goes right. back 10 yards. No, this was forward, forward ball goes backwards. 10 yards. Unbelievable.
1: It was a monster hit. We'll uh, have it on social media for you um, at 30 rack of sports it was just beautiful. Uh, but I also have another football shout-out. As everyone around this region's know, Greg, as you know, Scott Frost was fired. Former University of Central Florida Golden Knight coach. And Aren't they just the Knights now? I think they're just the Knights. They certainly don't seem like it. Maybe the good Knights. They after. need the citra- Citronaut back to replace Nitro. They have a lot of terrible names. They, they uh, do have a lot of terrible name stuff, including the Bounce House, which is just a nod to poor poor infrastructure. And I just want to thank them for a great—they they like to be thanked, and I want to thank oh, them. Oh, they love to be thanked. They really like to be thanked at Central Florida. So I am want to thank, thank Central them. Florida for Scott Frost's career and all of the memes that have come from that. Gus Malzahn. on. We'll love to thank Also him. that one. Uh, and UC making the playoff. Thank you, Central you Florida. Gotta thank them for that. That's their most important one. And thank you for uh, adding to a great Saturday and losing to the Louisville Cardinals. It was Friday night, but yes. Also uh, a great weekend. Oh, that was Friday night. Excuse me.
0: Uh, did I have Central Florida to win by like four? Because I thought Louisville was a bunch of bums. The answer is maybe. Did yep. they disappoint me? And will I never trust anything from Orlando ever again? The answer is
1: also yes. Did I drink too much beer and have the whole weekend of football blur together and not know what days were what? The answer is always yes. Is that how it's supposed to go? Sports.
0: So we want to thank Thirteen Below Brewery. We want to thank Josh on the ones and twos. That's right. I'm Greg. Thank you so much for listening to another edition of Thirty Rack of Sports. Be sure to check out our Who You Got on our social: Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, Pigeon. Those ladies that talk, you know, and gossip a little bit too much on the edge of your street. All of them. Thirty rack sports.
1: Thirty rack a blind item? TikTok blind item